0: Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Always, always want to receive it. Always want to receive the, the blessing. Um, we're also thankful for uh, this day. Uh, and uh, what I'd like to do um for for this sunday and next uh, is to uh, remember pentecost uh, because next sunday is pentecost uh, sunday and I, it never it never feels like it to me um but but it's only pentecost sunday is you know 50 days uh, from easter and so it's only been next sunday 50 days since easter um I don't know, it seems like it's been twice that at some point sometimes um but it, but but it's it, Pentecost just means fifty uh, and uh it's it's fifty days uh, from Easter. It's ten days uh, from the Ascension, uh, and um it is a it is a very uh, significant uh, day. It has become one of my uh, I guess as, as I have uh, hopefully matured in my understanding of Scripture and and, and grown in my relationship with Christ, uh, Pentecost Sunday has become one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, it is the birth of the church, and I love the church, and I hope you do as well. And 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 from the looks of it, you do, because uh, because here you are uh, at the church together as. Uh, the church, um, if you remember, it is the uh, it is it is the moment where the disciples were and the apostles and and the believers were gathered together after the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior and, and ascension of Jesus, waiting for uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, uh, when when they weren't exactly expecting it. Uh, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, upon them, and the church you know, was birthed. Uh, the church uh, was born uh, so So what I'd like to do is uh, is is highlight two uh, parts um, of Pentecost uh, that are that are essential to the church and, and to the building. Of the church that we see um, from the story of Pentecost, uh, and uh, and that we remember from that story, um, just to highlight just two of them, and I'd like to highlight one of them today, and highlight one of them next Sunday, and and again these are e- essential to the church and to and to the plan and purpose that God has for the church and the the building of the church. What I'd like to talk about today. It's kind of in two parts, but it's really it's really together as one. But before I get into today and 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 to just talk about next Sunday a little bit, let me say that that both of these that I am gonna that we're gonna remember require the help of the Holy Spirit. They they require the power of the Holy Spirit. They're both impossible without Him. And both of them are made possible because of Him. So, it, so we can see why the, why the apostles and the disciples had to go and wait for next Sunday. They had to go and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because what I talk, talk about today is not possible without the Holy Spirit. And what we talk about next Sunday is not possible without the Holy Spirit. But the good news is that it is possible when we are clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then today and next Sunday, I would like to end uh, with us um, uh, receiving communion. And, uh, and next Sunday, again, like to end with us uh, sharing communion together. So as, as Joy already mentioned, uh, if you're watching online, um, we'd love for you to join in uh with us and and you can do what you have to do to prepare uh some juice and some crackers or something uh to uh to at the end of service share communion together um so so i, I think a good place to start uh would be to go to Luke uh 24 um and this is the uh this is this is kind of like the uh the the gospel of Luke account of Acts, uh, chapter one, which was also written uh, by uh, Luke, um, we, we kind of read that one a lot and are familiar with that one. And and uh, for, you know, for some reason, I've been hanging out in Luke twenty four, and so so I'd like to start there. And I think Jesus you know, says a couple of things that really get us on uh, the right track. Um, but let me go ahead and and share with you what I want us to remember about Pentecost today, so that so that as we look through the scriptures. Um, I, I see it everywhere, hopefully you'll see it as well, and I'll do my best to try to point it out uh, to you. Uh, what, I'd, what I'd like for us to remember, that we so need as, as the people of God to remember, that we so need as a church to uh, remember, and, and let me say this, that I think one of the strategies of the enemy is to, uh, is to like lull us into c- some kind of sleepy fog where we forget things, where, where we forget what God has done and who He is and His Word and we forget who we are and what God has called us to. So we need times where we remember and we reconnect with the Word of God and, and, and what He's done and who we are and what we're called to do. And, and, and one of the things that we clearly see at Pentecost that we need to remember this morning is that, is that there is a message And that there are messengers. That there are messengers and there is a message. Now, that's two things, but I think they really come together as one because you can't really be a messenger without a message. And a message needs a messenger. And what the church needs to remember is that we are God's messengers and that we have a message, and that that message must be proclaimed. And we, ve- we see this very clearly uh, as we remember Pentecost. We see messengers, and we see that they are given a message, and that message is the message that will change the whole world. They carried it for their generation, and we're called to carry it for ours. We are, we are messengers with a message that is worthy of giving our lives to, of, of spending our lives uh, shouting from the rooftops the message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I, I know you know that, I, I know you know that, and I know you know the message, but this morning, let's remember it, and let's reconnect with it, and let's remember how important it is, and how important we are to it. Now as we begin to look into Scripture, I, I hope one of the things that will happen is that is that we will remember the bigness and the awesomeness of God as we remember that we're messengers with a message, that we'll re-encounter, uh, that we'll reconnect with the wisdom of God and, and His bigness and, and His and his ability to work his providential will, that that what God has said is happening and will happen and will uh, be accomplished, it will be done and, and, and the other thing that I want us to remember is is not only the bigness of God, but but that in Christ Jesus, the bigness of, of who we become that that you know I, I think we we kind of recognize that there's a call of God on our lives to serve and affect our generation. But what I want us to remember as we remember that we're messengers with a message is that when we, filled with the Holy Spirit, clothed with power from on high, embrace the reality that we are messengers and proclaim the message of Christ, that we not only affect our generation, but that we have have such an effect that we will affect generations not even born yet should the Lord tarry and not return there will be generations that are affected by our lives such as the bigness of just little old me that's an interesting statement, isn't it? <laughs> the bigness of little old me. That if I serve Jesus in my generation, that God is working and using me not only to affect my generation, but but to to change and shift and affect things that aren't even, not even come yet, and people that aren't even born yet. It's it's an awesome thought uh, to to remember, uh, and we see that as we as we look into Scripture in Luke uh, twenty four. Uh, if you don't remember here, Jesus has, uh, Luke 24 is, is the account of Jesus rising again and appearing to his apostles and his disciples and giving them some final instructions and giving them the instruction to wait, to be clothed with power from on high, and then ascending into heaven. That's how, that's how Luke kind of ends there with, with the Lord ascending into heaven and the disciples uh, uh, full of joy meeting together in the temple. Let's look at Luke 24. We'll start at verse, at verse 44. And, and we may jump away from this and then, and then come back to it. We'll see how it goes. Here, this is Jesus speaking. He, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and... Uh, the Psalms. So Jesus saying here to the to the apostles and the disciples, um, you, you know, maybe you guys remember or don't remember, but but all that has taken place, all that has been fulfilled, all that was was proclaimed uh, in the Law of Moses. It was proclaimed in the Prophets and you know, in the Psalms. And we could take time to go look at that, but we won't do that uh, this morning. But that's you know a wonderful thing to to study out. Uh, Verse 54, then uh, He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. So then Jesus opens their minds so that they can see Him and His plan and His purpose in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms, in the Old Testament. You see, when you come to Jesus, and you trust Him as Lord and Savior, and you put your faith in Him and, and and make Him your God and your King, this is what happens. The Scriptures come alive to you and are opened up to you so that you see uh, Jesus and, and the plan and purposes of God all throughout the Old Testament and uh, the New Testament. So this happens for them and, uh, and and we see this happening all through the New Testament as 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 Paul and 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 Peter and the uh, and the apostles would would proclaim the message of Jesus and reinforce it with it is written from the Old Testament because they because their eyes were open to see Jesus all throughout uh, the Old Testament verse forty six uh, he told them uh, this is what was written uh, the Messiah the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. So so he's reminding them that you know what we have just come through my suffering, my death and my resurrection uh, on the third day. All of that was written uh, about me before before it had ever taken place, before it had ever uh, happened. So it's an important thing, one of the one of the beautiful things that I love about about the day of Pentecost is that we if we look see that this that that it just didn't happen and it's just like all of a sudden eh, god was like hey that looks like a good day pour out the holy spirit birth the church that that god knew when the day of pentecost was to be and he knew what needed to be worked and moved and planned for that birth to take place it's like a it's like when you know when a, when a when a husband and wife uh, and and they have and it's more so the first baby than it is the others. But but when they have the first baby, uh, then there's all this planning that goes into uh, the birthing of you know, that uh, baby and or, or or a married couple, you know, or or a a a. a a wedding day that just doesn't—it's not just like all of a sudden hey, that's a day. Maybe some people do that, but but for most people, you know, especially uh, especially the women, uh, there's there's this event that is set, and there's all this planning and preparation and work that goes into that event, so that so that everyone who's supposed to be there is there, and 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 they're taken care of, and everyone uh, who who needs to wear something special has what they're to wear. There's all this that goes into it. Um th- this is this is what the Lord did for the day of Pentecost and and this is what the Lord did for the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So you know, if we were to drop ourselves into that time uh, into the into the time of Jesus and into the time of the birth of the church, it is such a significant time where we see uh, the completion of God's of God's working for thousands of years. Like the birth of Jesus just didn't all of a sudden happen. God was moving and working to bring about that event thousands of years before it ever happened. So, you know, hopefully through that we're reminded of the awesomeness of God to be preparing and working things hundreds, thousands of years before those events ever take place. When it comes to the birth of Jesus, we see God planning that and working it and preparing it 4000 years before it ever happens. All, all the way back uh, to the to the garden of Eden, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Let me remind you of this. I know we talked about it uh, last Sunday, but but there's a uh, there's so much uh, in 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 the first several chapters of Genesis, that we need to often look at them. You, you remember in Genesis chapter three uh, that a uh, uh, that a uh, Adam and Eve and God are together in the Garden of Eden in wonderful relationship. Uh, that um, that Adam and Eve are united and there's and in relationship with one another and in relationship with God and there's no uh, shame and then you remember that the that the serpent uh, the devil comes in uh, to the picture and uh, and you know maybe this is a good place to point out here uh, as we remember the message that we've been given to proclaim uh, that uh, that there in the garden of Eden Adam and Eve were enjoying abundant life you remember that Jesus said in John ten ten that He's come that that abundant life might be restored, if you will, because restored, because in the garden Adam and Eve were living it. I know we've talked about these, but let me remind you of of the four. Um, if you don't know what abundant life looks like, of the four Fs of abundant life, one the, that these are essential. To, to life, if we don't have these, then we're not living abundant life. But one is true freedom. True freedom. I say true freedom because there's, there's a deceptive false freedom out there that basically says, you know, I, I want to be free to do whatever I want to do. Um, but that's not, that's not freedom that ultimately ends in, uh, in slavery and, and chaos. Um, imagine if everyone were free to do whatever they wanted to do freedom true freedom is that i'm free and have the power to do what is right they so they were living in in freedom they were free to eat of any tree in the garden they were they were free to eat from the tree of life the only only one command that they were that they had was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil but they had freedom in the garden and then and then you know secondly uh, to remember is is a uh, friendship is so important essential uh, to abundant life uh, beautiful life-giving relationship they were they were together and not ashamed that uh, they were naked and not ashamed. They were in beautiful relationship with one another, and they were in beautiful relationship with God. It, it seems that God would come and enjoy time with them, and they would enjoy time with God, and there was no uh, separation between Adam and Eve, and there was no separation between Adam and Eve and God. They were in wonderful uh, relationship together and you know, with God. And then third uh, F is fruitfulness. Uh, Adam was given this this purpose of caring for the garden and working the garden, and that was before the fall, and and to make uh, the garden uh, fruitful, they had purpose there in the garden, and they were working uh, to uh, to make that garden beautiful and 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 fruitful, and caring for the trees and the and the plants, and and even maybe the animals that were there, and the earth that uh, that God had placed them on. And so there was. Uh, there was fruitfulness. There was purpose from God. That is essential to abundant life. And then the uh, then the fourth F is is forever. Uh, they were they were living forever. Death had not entered uh, the picture at this point in time. They could eat from the tree of life, and 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 there was forever life, and that is essential to abundant life. Is is uh, eternal. Uh, life. And so the enemy, the enemy comes, the, the serpent comes, and, and what does he come to do? He comes to steal abundant life from them. He he wants to wreck this. He wants to to ruin this. He wants to uh, come into to this wonderful abundant life that they are enjoying and rob them of it and steal, kill, and destroy, and he comes with deception, and he leads Adam and Eve astray, and they they sin by eating of the tree, and then there's and then shame enters the picture, and separation enters the picture, and hiding enters the picture, and fear enters the picture, and so then God shows up knowing now that things are, are shifted and broken and messed up, and, and God shows up and he's already on the move to fix it and restore to mankind what he desires for us, and that. Is abundant life. So then he, so as he shows up, he speaks to Adam and Eve, and then there's the, and then there's where, where God speaks to the serpent, and and then he speaks to Eve, and then he speaks to Adam. And I wanted you to remind you of what God speaks to the serpent, because in speaking to the serpent, uh, he prophesies Jesus. He prophesies the birth of Jesus four thousand years before it ever happens. Like God knows, because He does. Like He's He's moving and working. See, He wasn't surprised by all of this. Genesis chapter three, verse fourteen. So the Lord God said to the serpent. Uh, so, you know, important to remember here that as God speaks to the serpent, He's speaking to the devil. And that this curse is on the devil and, uh, and, 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 and that snakes get it uh, because the devil used the snake. <laughs> so it's like applied to snakes, obviously, but, but to the devil specifically. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you. He curses the serpent above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life uh, so so uh, now you know we know serpents and snakes crawl on their belly and and so they get in dust in their face all the time, but you know they eat the 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 flesh of of, uh, of rodents and, and animals but uh, but this serpent, the devil has has a a desire to devour the flesh of mankind. You remember, it's from dust that we were created, and to dust that we will come. All the days of his life. And then he goes on in speaking and says, "And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. So there's going to be this enmity between, between, and then he." And then God speaks, and it's, and it's very singular and very specific. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, so here, God speaks to Satan and says that um, I'm going to take care of you through the birth of my son, and he's going to come, and yeah, you're going to wound him, you're going to strike his heel, but he's going to be your end. He's going to crush your head. Head so so God prophesying uh, not only the birth of uh, His Son but in prophesying the birth of His Son also prophesying the birth of the Church and the end of the enemy the defeat of the enemy which we see in Revelation uh, will come and will uh, take place uh, so we see God you know four thousand years before uh, this happens before this takes place. Uh, prophesying these things coming, and then we see God moving and working to bring uh, the the birth of his son Jesus so that abundant life could be restored. Because you know, after this, God has to drive out Adam and Eve uh, from the garden and separate them uh, not only from the relationship that they had with him, but also from uh, the the tree of life so that they can no longer, so there's not Eternal life uh, that they can no longer eat of that uh, tree, um, but but that was never God's plan, and so God goes on the move to restore again abundant life and to to bring that uh, reality back, uh, so that so that separation will come to an end and death will come to an end, and sin will come to an end, and ultimately all of those things we know uh, will, uh, will be finished, they, uh, they will end, uh, and, uh, and, and forever we will live uh, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the new heavens and the new earth, um, praise the Lord, come quickly Lord Jesus, <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, so we see God moving, working long before these things ever take place, and are reminded of uh, the awesomeness uh, of our God. And, and we are also uh, reminded uh, that we do have an enemy who wants to come and steal, uh, kill, and destroy, and, and he is a uh, deceiver. Um, so let's go back to Luke 24. And remember what Jesus has said. In Luke twenty four, remember He opened their minds, and then He tells them that it that it was written that I would suffer, uh, rise from the dead, and rise from the dead on the third day. And then and then Jesus says this, and and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name, in the name of Jesus to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And he tells the, the apostles and the disciples uh, who they are, As if they didn't know. He says, you are witnesses of these things. It, it, it's you guys who are going to be the messengers. It's you who are going to go to the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness found in the name of Jesus. And where you're going to start is Jerusalem. But you remember uh, in Acts uh, chapter 1 that he says, you know, you're going to be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem. And here he says that's where it's going to begin in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Uh, there is going to be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and you will be clothed with power from on high to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the Earth, so he says, "You guys are going to be witnesses of these things, re- preaching repentance and forgiveness of sins in uh, my name. And then the story goes on for forty nine he says i'm going to uh, send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high uh, so so Jesus making it very clear what i 've already said. Uh, this morning, uh, that we, the church, are His messengers, and that we carry the message of Christ, that we preach in His name, repentance, and that we preach in His name forgiveness, and this task is bigger than we are because we are called not only to Greenville but to the uttermost parts of the world, and. This is impossible for us, but it's not impossible for us because of the of the reality that the Holy Spirit will come and help, that we will be clothed with power from on high to do to be the messengers, carrying the life-changing message of Christ, that there is life abundant and rich and beautiful and 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 possible. In His name, that we can have abundant life, that we can be free, that we can, that we can have wonderful friendships, that we can live fruitful, productive lives that will affect our generation and generations to come and have an impact on eternity, and that, and that there is everlasting life found in Christ. That is the message we're given, the message we're called to proclaim. And receive power, you'd be clothed with power from on high. and then verse fifty it says, when he had uh, th- when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, uh, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. So not only do we have this clothing of power from on high, but we have the blessing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ upon us so that, so that we know that we are blessed of God to be His messengers and to proclaim His message. And we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to do this very thing. And after He had, or, or it's kind of cool to me, it's not like after, it's like while He was blessing. See, it says while He was blessing them, uh, he, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So this is how I see it, I get this picture, um, as, as they're looking at Jesus, and He's reached out His hands and He's blessing Him, that as He's blessing Him, He ascends into heaven all the while blessing them. It's like He's ascending with His hands out, you just feel like as He's ascending with His hands out, He's just proclaiming blessing over them with His hands out, blessing them as He ascends and, and disappears from their sight. But but even though He disappears from their sight, we know from Scripture that His blessing doesn't disappear and, and it doesn't end. That His hands are out, seated at the right hand of God, still interceding for the saints today. That, that God's praying for you. That Jesus is interceding for you. That His hands are raised out over you, blessing you, His messengers, His witnesses, interceding. You say, man... I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yes, you are going to make it. Because God's not abandoned you. His hands are stretched out over you. You are clothed with power from on high. And the blessing of Jesus is being spoken over our lives. Hey, yeah, hallelujah. We are are blessed and highly favored. It's just a reality in Christ. We are clothed with power from on high, so that we so that we should be joyous messengers of the gospel of Jesus' name. I, I want to proclaim this because it seems to me like much of the church is 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 is, is moving into this may, maybe retire and hide mentality. I, I had a conversation with someone just the other day who's just a young man, He's my age. I'm just a young man, you know, I, I pray like, I pray that I'm like Charles Stanley, and 90 and still proclaiming the gospel of Jesus' name, should the Lord tarry, Lord, if you'd like to come, please, anytime, hallelujah. Just, just a young man, and, and he was talking about, uh, he was talking about trying to buy land and move to the river, and I said, what? why are you going to do that? He said, well, you know, it's it's beautiful out there. I'm gonna buy land and move to the river. And I said, Where are you gonna to go to church? He said, I don't know. I said, I don't like it. That's not a good idea. You can't, it's not time to do that. It's time to be the messengers of Christ. And we can because we have his blessing. We have the Holy Spirit, we have his, his promises. Hallelujah. So, while he's blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven, and then, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I, I, I like this. I was researching it out a little bit. They worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with, with great joy. There's not like a sorrow. You remember, like, after the death of Jesus, there was this, there was this hiding And fear and sorrow and confusion that had gotten into the apostles and disciples. This is gone. It's it's gone. He has risen from the dead. They have the promise of the Holy Spirit. They have clear purpose to be his messengers and to proclaim his message. And they and so they return to Jerusalem with great joy. They're, they're, there's no longer sorrow. They're not hiding anymore. They're not afraid. They're doing what he said. Go wait in Jerusalem. They're doing it with great joy. And and any, anyway, as I researched this out, I read the Amplified version and you ought to go do that because I thought the Amplified adds this, and it's an addition, but but I think it fits, adds this uh, cool um, little paraphrase in there. And, and you can go look at it, but it says that it says that they they returned they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem being being completely and fully convinced that he had risen. They were totally and completely. There was no longer any doubt that was over for Thomas. He was convinced. And anybody else who doubted, they were convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead and that there, and and that and that he was who he says. He was, that he'd risen and that he is life and salvation and freedom and peace. Like so they say they return to Jerusalem fully convinced that he's risen and John 14, 6 is true. That he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other. It's an important reality. It's an important truth. You know, maybe one of the things that we should do is we should start write in John 14, 6 everywhere we go. It's just like mark it down somewhere. Write it. Proclaim it. Declare it because it's true. It's under attack. And when it's under attack and doubted, it weakens our message. Why? Why would I be a messenger willing to give my life for the message if there are other messages that also work? If there are other ways to salvation if there are other ways to abundant life, then, you know, I'm just going to drink, eat, be merry, move to the river, you know? Because, sure, I've found one, but there are many. But there are not many. There's one. He is the only one who has conquered death and the grave. He is Savior and Lord, and repentance and forgiveness are preached in His name alone, the name of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ and they stayed continually at the temple praising God so they met together they were at the temple they were praising God they were meeting together in prayer and on the day of Pentecost while they were all together in one place there came a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind And the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And they were clothed with power from on high. And they began to do what God had called them to do. To proclaim the message that there is repentance and forgiveness found in Jesus. That there is life and salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. And the rest is history. Here we are thousands of years later. A few of us gathered in His name to worship Him and exalt Him and bless Him and proclaim Him. His church still being built. Not destroyed. Still thriving and flourishing and growing. And His people, His messengers, still proclaiming His message. Now, as we uh, as the, as the story goes on in Acts, we come to Acts chapter four, and I wanted to remind us of this because it points out uh, uh, an important important truth uh, uh, about us and about about the messenger and about the message. So you remember, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and and, and the church grows. Uh, by 3,000 that day. And then Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go to the, go to the temple, the gate called Beautiful, and there's the amazing healing uh, of the crippled man uh, who, uh, who, who uh, wanted money, and Peter looks and says, I don't have that, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And because of this healing, a crowd gathers, and because there's a crowd, Peter preaches because right? he's a messenger with a message, and because he preaches, he's arrested. And in Acts chapter four, uh, they are after having been arrested. Uh, Peter and John are questioned about everything uh, that goes on, and this is what Peter says in, in in verse eight. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, "You see, you see this messenger, Peter." Uh, proclaiming this message, uh, is doing it, but he's doing it because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And because he's full of the Holy Spirit, he's he's able to be this messenger proclaiming the message of Christ. Uh, Said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being uh, asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then Jesus, and then Peter says this: Jesus is the stone the builders rejected. He he's he's quoting here, uh, Psalm 118. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. This is prophesied by David in Psalm 118 and and here Peter is is saying that here is the fulfillment of this. And, and if you if you remember Psalm 118, uh, David says uh, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It is the Lord who has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it. See David declares this new day that the Lord has made by sending His Son and Him dying and being buried and rising again, we enter into a new day where there's a new covenant where we can, can repent and be forgiven and find abundant life. Hallelujah. In Christ and in Christ alone. This is is the message Peter's been given. This is the message Paul's been given. There's a new day. It's the day of salvation where you can come to Jesus of Nazareth and be healed and restored and changed and transformed and forgiven and saved. He says "This this is the message. We're the messengers. Peter proclaiming the message. And now we, as we approach the day of Pentecost, need to remember that we now are the messengers, and we carry the message of the day of salvation that the Lord has made. It is marvelous in our sight. We proclaim Jesus, the stone the builders rejected, who is the cornerstone. And then Peter says this. I hope we've memorized it. If you haven't, do it. And remember this. Salvation is found... In no one else. It's just not. There's no other Savior. There's no other salvation. Salvation is found nowhere else. Salvation is found in no one else. In nothing else. It's Christ and Christ alone. For there is no other name under heaven. Given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is Savior and Lord. He alone is Savior and Lord. He is the only holy worthy Lamb of God. No one else was found who could be the sacrificial Lamb for our sins. No one else was found who could live an indestructible life. No one else found worthy to open the seal and and read the scroll. There was no one else found. There was no one else who could be Savior, who could be our Lord, who could pay the price for our sins. There is salvation. No else. It's Christ and Christ alone. This means messengers that we've been given the message and we are called to proclaim it. Why be a messenger with this life-changing message and not share it Why keep it to ourselves? Why go into hiding? That is not what we're called to do. It is not who we are. We are messengers of the greatest message and we are anointed and blessed and gifted and created and called to shout it from the rooftops. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Hallelujah. He saves. He heals. He forgives. He changes. There is freedom and life and peace, rich and abundant, found in Christ and in Christ alone. Hallelujah. And we must proclaim it. We must proclaim it. We must proclaim it. I listened the other day on YouTube to to someone uh, who's got quite an audience. He's a very, very brilliant man, actually. And, um, and he's answering questions about, he was answering questions about God and, uh, and he's like right there. He's right there. But he was just, he's just missing Jesus just a little bit. And I'm like, man, I'm like, you're so brilliant and you're like hitting all around him right there. But let me tell you, let me tell you about Jesus. He is salvation. He is Lord. He was struggling with this. He's struggling with Jesus being, being singular, only salvation, way to God. He is. He is only Savior and Lord. And if you really study it and meditate it and think about it, that will become clear to you. We pray that God will open up minds To his word, so that they can see the reality and the truth, and that we will remember and be reminded that Jesus is Savior and that he alone is Savior. You wonder why Peter gives his life to this. You know, I mean, he, he gives his life to this. He's crucified upside down for the message of Jesus. You wonder why, because what else could he do? Verse 13 When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Uh, So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, an astonishing miracle, and and we cannot deny it. Uh, But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in His name. Like, if if you can't deny this, why stop it? Join it. Get involved in it. Um, So this is what they're going to do. They're going to tell them, You know, do whatever you want, but don't speak in the name of Jesus. Isn't that interesting that that's that's like still acceptable in our culture, right? Do whatever you want, just not Jesus. Anything else, just not Jesus. Uh, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right, in God's eyes, to listen to you or to Him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter makes this, this confession as, as, he, as he proclaims the message of salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. Then he declares himself the messenger. A messenger who will not stop, who cannot stop who God has told to not stop proclaiming the message of Jesus' name. He's saying, saying you guys you, know, you guys are authorities and, and, and you're commanding, but we, we try to listen to you on many things, but this we can't because God has said to us, proclaim the message of Jesus and don't stop. And so we will proclaim the message of Jesus and we will not stop. So this morning as we remember Pentecost, I wanted us to remember the message, the message that it's Christ and Christ alone, that he is our only hope of of salvation, of abundant life, of eternal life, and that we've been given that message and we are messengers who cannot stop. So I wanted to to share communion together because that's one of the things that we do when, when we remember Jesus. And as we... As we share uh, communion, the kids are going to come in with us and um, we're going to share together uh, with, the, with the kids communion. My kids love to do it, so we'll just bring all the kids in uh, and, um, and we'll share communion together. And as we uh, share uh, communion together and remember Jesus, we just, we just open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and just allow uh, this time of, of remembering Jesus to, uh, to, uh, to uh, hopefully impact us so that, uh, so that we remember and, and, and hear from the Holy Spirit who He is uh, and, the, uh, and, and what He has done and what He has called us to do and who he has called us uh, to be as um, soon as the kids well, I guess we could go ahead and start passing out and then we'll also well also pass out uh, to the to the children as well when they come in praise the Lord thank you jesus just as we wait for the children just take some thank you take some time and just seek the lord scripture says that that as we are preparing to receive communion that it is a good thing to examine ourselves before we eat and just to have a time of allowing the holy spirit to speak to us and and if there's anything that we need to repent of, to repent and to confess, to confess, and just examine yourself and open yourself up to, to the cleansing of the Lord and to the move of the Lord and let him remind and and refresh and encourage and examine you. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name, Lord. We bless you and exalt you. And glorify you Jesus we glorify you Jesus we lift you on high holy are you Lord Lord we pray that we would be open to you we just open ourselves up to you right now and ask Holy Spirit that you would speak come and examine us and Show us any area where we need surrender. Show us any area where we need change. Prepare us, Lord, we pray, to to receive communion. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. As we receive, Lord, we pray that that our minds would be cleared of any, any fears or anxieties or worries... Our ears would be open to hear you speak. We just ask this morning, we just pray the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1. We pray that, that you'd come right now, Lord, and you'd give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would know you better. And as we pray and worship and share communion, that you would, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we would see praise the Lord so that we would see the call of God on our lives and see you Jesus for who you are our only hope our only Savior our only Lord and Lord show us our inheritance and the inheritance that we are and your incomparable power which is for us who believe. Bring revelation to us as we as we remember you this morning. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. As we share communion this morning, we remember the the message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we remember the the reality that He alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. As we remember Peter's declaration, remember, remember in verse 8 it said that that Peter was speaking filled with the holy spirit and speaking full of the holy spirit and full of the word of god he declares he declares that there is salvation found in no one else that there's no other name under heaven it's Christ and Christ alone as we remember pentecost and we remember the message of jesus and we remember the call of god on our lives to be his messengers what i'd like for you to think about this morning is as as you partake of the Lord's communion, that that you'd remember that this is a covenant act and that you would, as, as you partake of this covenant act, that you would renew your commitment to the message and to being His messenger and that your act of sharing communion this morning would be you entering into covenant with God And saying, kind of like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, saying, yes Lord, here am I, send me. Entering into covenant and saying, I I will be a messenger of the message of Jesus. And I, like Peter, will not stop proclaiming that there is life and freedom and salvation in Jesus' name. As we share communion together if if you will on your own make this time of covenant a renewal of that covenant to embrace the message and to be his messenger and if anyone would like to I'll just give you the invitation as another act of that to come to the altar and receive communion here at the altar you You don't have to, just if you would like. You can come down to the altar and here at the altar, on your knees or standing or however you would like to, share communion here at the altar. Now as Paul instructs us in 1 Corinthians 11, as he was instructed, he says, I instruct, I I pass on. And he says this, for I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you. Hallelujah. Let us be this church that is a receiving and a passing church, that is a, 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 a receiving and a giving church, and as we have received the life-changing message of Christ, we pass on the life-changing message of Christ. As I receive from the Lord, I also pass on to you The Lord Jesus, Lord before we go any further into this, these words just remind us that you are the Lord Jesus and we declare this morning that you are Lord in our lives and we set you as Lord in our hearts, Lord of our lives. And we declare, as as Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here in Corinthians declares, we declare, You, Lord Jesus, are Lord Jesus, and You are Lord of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took the bread. Let us take the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's break the bread. Share together in remembrance of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you and exalt you, Lord. Lord, we we follow your example as you broke the bread. You gave thanks. We give thanks. We we're not burdened that we are your messengers. And we're not burdened with this message. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. We're honored, Lord. We're we're thankful. We're full of great joy. As the disciples heard your instructions, they saw you ascend. They received your blessing. They returned to Jerusalem, not, not sorrowful, weighed down, anxious, fearful, worried, burdened. They returned with great joy. We're full of great joy because we have the message of Jesus and we are your messengers and we're thankful today. And I I, want to say thank you, Lord. I know that we've been through a difficult time and even still in it, but we thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our prophet. We thank you that you are Jehovah Shalom, that you are our peace. We thank you that you are Jehovah Shema, that you are here, that you are near, that you are with us and you are enough. We thank you that you have been with us, that you are with us, that you will be with us. We bless you and we exalt you and we glorify you. And of all the things we're so thankful for, Lord, we are are thankful this morning for your broken body, and that as you were about to go to the cross, you gave thanks, even though you knew you were going to the cross, even though you knew you were going to suffer and die to become the message. You were thankful because you knew becoming the message would mean salvation and freedom, for millions upon millions upon millions. And so as you are willing to have your body broken and give thanks in it to become the message, Lord, help us to be willing to have our bodies broken to proclaim the message, to be the messengers. As we partake of the bread, Lord, we remember this. We ask you to help us in this. And we say thank you for giving us this message. Paul says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. Let's open up this cup. Hallelujah. After supper, he took the cup, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup, remembering the new covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Lord, as we partake of the cup, we remember your blood that was shed for us, the forgiveness of our sins, the establishing, the beginning of a new covenant, of a new day, the day of salvation. We thank you for going to the cross for taking the nails and the and the and the stripes on your back and the thorns on your head and shedding your blood to bring about a new covenant and a new day to where we would be forgiven to where we would be saved we thank you lord for our salvation thank you for being our savior And Lord, we thank You that this is still the day of salvation and that Your blood is still sufficient, still enough, that anyone, anywhere who will call on Your name will still be saved. And how will they call one they've not believed? And how can they believe in one they've not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? So, Lord, as we remember the covenant, we remember that we are your messengers called to preach and proclaim that today is the day of salvation, the day of forgiveness, and His blood is enough. And we covenant with you, Lord, to preach the gospel, we covenant with you to be your messengers. We raise our hands like Isaiah and say, here we are, Lord. Send us. We don't want to go into hiding and we don't want to retire. We want to be your messengers, proclaiming the new covenant, this new day where we can come to you and be changed and forgiven and find abundant life. We say yes to this Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, all of you watching online or or those who may be listening, have you received Jesus as Savior and Lord? If you've not, Today is the day of salvation. Today, tomorrow may not be, today is. If you would like to receive Him and make Him your Lord and Savior, then just pray with me wherever you are. Just repeat after me and pray this prayer from your heart and invite Jesus into your life as Savior and Lord. Just pray with me, will you? Lord Jesus, I believe that You are the only begotten Son of God that in Your name is found salvation. And Jesus, I receive You as my Savior. I receive Your forgiveness. And Jesus, I set You As Lord in my heart, bring to me abundant life. Make me your passionate messenger, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, thank you for... uh, Thank You for Your faith and trust in Him and Your passion for His name. And my prayer is that from this day forward, all of us will will passionately, joyfully embrace the call of God on our lives to be His messengers and will passionately proclaim Jesus' message. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Uh, See you back here next Sunday. Uh, We're going to remember Pentecost more. And uh, you? Yes. Amen. Lydia just received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Joy's telling me here. So we're excited about that. Thank you, Jesus. And it was passionate, too. I was hearing it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a good day. God's presence is here with us. wonder what He'll do next Sunday as we gather together. Remember Pentecost and share communion again. Uh, Be his messengers this week and proclaim his message. He's with you. You can do it. God bless. See you Sunday.